a, a co-pilot for Monday and Tuesday. I'm hoping so anyway. If not, you're going to be listening to a lot of me, but I think we're going to be all right. Randy Whitehouse joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter, rawmaterial33. You can find him at sunjournal.com. Good, uh, good morning, my friend. You, you excited? Tyler Thornburg's back for your, for your defending World Series champions. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know, another season disabled list. Why not? You know, it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, you know, obviously we're wondering who's going to close. I'm glad they're not, you know, playing suckers to the Mariners to get, you know, uh, washed up Robbie Cano for their closer. Uh, of course, the Mets are, are the ones looking to do that, I guess. Uh, but that, that's the Mets for you. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they're going to have to do, you know, a fair amount of rebuilding to the bullpen. It's going to be pretty important as the, uh, the starters age even more. And, uh, you know, Dombrowski is his work cut out for him, but, you know, they're not exactly off to a, a rollicking start here, but they still have some time, I guess. No, I think they'll be. I, I, I'm not. I don't think they're going to go back to earth next year. You know what I mean? Like, I think they're going to come back to earth a little bit. I don't think they can be yeah, as. Yeah. I don't think there's any way in hell one that they can be as good next year, and two that the league can suck as bad as it did this year. <laughs> right? Like, and and I don't. I don't mean that from a. I'm not trying to smirch what they did because they own right. the league. They were the. They were right. the best team this year, and they played like it. But I. I think. The rest of the league is actually some of it's actually going to try this year. I don't think everybody's going to try to. Yeah, I was going to say you don't think as many are going to try to tank. Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree that that there were a lot of teams that just weren't interested in winning baseball games this year. They were. I they were. Agree on that. They were more interested in in restocking their farm systems and doing things like I'm already you know looking at what's going on with the hot stove this year with you know this this Mets deal and everything else. It's just funny. This this is such a Mets deal, Randy. This is the most yeah. Metsian deal. I mean, outside of the fact they're getting the really good closer, right? Which you know he's going to have shoulder or elbow trouble as soon as he as soon as he hits Queens. That's right. as as soon as he crosses that bridge, it's going to be like, ah, why is why is everything so tight? Why is everything going on? You know what? I know it. God knows it. Okay, but yeah. regardless, they're going to have that Cano contract, and I just know that somehow they're going to figure out a way to defer that money, and Robbie Cano is going to get an annual Bobby Bonilla check for like. Was it? And that's what I was going to ask. Will, will they still be paying Bobby Bonilla when Cano's contract runs out? Well, that's a good or, question. Or do they run out simultaneously or what? I don't know. I don't know how that goes. Like, does that create a big thing for their luxury tax, too? Like, it's a really, it's a really, really good question. Um, I, here's I, guess the somebody, I guess somebody asked, uh, did, you, uh, did you hear about somebody asked Bobby Bonilla? Like within the last couple of years, you know, about the contract and all that. I guess he was really salty about it. Really? Well, yeah. he was just a salty person. Like, well, yeah, no, he was. Yeah, naturally. But. He was just a. He was a naturally salty person. Yeah. So, so speaking of salty people, um, there's a few salty people around uh, right now around the sport of high school football in the state of Maine, which just wrapped up a little over a week ago. Um, you know, I I saw some things on on my attendance ti- uh, on the on the timeline this year about attendance. You know, if it, yeah, I understand that attendance was probably down a little bit because of competitive nature, but I think part of that was it was just some it was some matchups, ones that people had seen, and two, it was communities that had been there 
and three, it was freaking cold. Like I don't think yeah. th- that was not so, that was not an environment to get the casual fan out to out to watch games in. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. There was uh, you know somewhat of a confluence of things to to drive attendance down. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you know watching you know during the season, I didn't really notice it being. Uh, down during the regular season overall, so I don't I don't know if there's uh, you know less excitement about high school football than past seasons, but absolutely the matchups had something to do with it. I mean, who's gonna want to go to you know who's gonna want to get up at at eight eight seven eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to go freeze their butts off to watch a, a, a an A game class A game that that's no contest at the end of the first quarter. Uh, you know, you're not going to get any uh, neutral fans to come out uh, for that, let alone, you know, Portland fans to come out for that. Uh, you know, we were at the Oxford Hills game against Oxford Hills, the, the regional championship the year before, and, you know, they, they drew a pretty good crowd for that. Portland doesn't usually draw great crowds, especially for football, uh, but they had a pretty good crowd for that, and I think everybody sensed that that was kind of there state championship and whatever happened after that was kind of a bonus um you know i I just um i I think that you know people have kind of felt like they've kind of seen this movie movie before when it comes to the state championships and how non-competitive they are and you know kind of how predictable they are uh you know the and naturally the the least predictable of the matchups was you know the Class C one involving teams that that had never been there before. I don't know how well attended that was. I'm sure it was pretty well attended from the the two towns, just because it was it was all new to them. But uh, you know that was the only game that held anybody's interest for for any amount of time. So uh, you know uh, maybe eight man football can help uh, you know uh, address this a little bit in terms of competitive balance. It'll be interesting to see uh how that shifts schools you know obviously the ones that are closer to that to the underside of that 350 threshold that they talked about yesterday um but uh you know uh, i think that's that's kind of the next shoe to drop is is that amen football and then the uh, the reclassification uh but you know i'm glad that the the football committee took the action they did yesterday and kind of move forward on that. Uh, took a big step forward on that, um, you know. And, and I, I, I believe it is kind of a proactive uh, move on their part. Uh, it doesn't come without uh, pitfalls. Doesn't come without a lot of questions. Uh, I, I still think there is a resistance uh, in this state to man football just because of, frankly, ignorance about it. People who don't know anything about it. Uh, are the ones who are, are going to be uh, the least uh, conducive to to being uh, you know involved in it. Uh, but it was definitely, a, I think, a needed step forward by the, the football committee to to move forward on that yesterday. I thought it was pretty interesting, and and I'm just going to be real interested to see the final, not so much the final draft, but the first draft of which teams are going to be in there. I, I saw there was a thing that. You know, schools over 350 could elect to go in. Schools under 350 are going to go in. You know, I talked about this a little bit in the first segment today, but I, I think what's going to need to happen is you're going to have to identify right now which schools, to me, and I, I don't, I, I truly, I know they're they're trying to do still four classes or something. I, I don't think after 
I, I don't think after after everybody decides to do eight man, I don't think there's going to be enough left for that. I think you're going to end up with three classes again. But I think A will kind of be by itself, and B and C will be the two, you know, kind of the way they get set up, B North yeah. and, and all that. I, and I was kind of surprised to read in uh, Travis Lazarczyk's article that that the MPA is still uh, surveying schools. Uh, I, I thought that they were further along in that. I thought they, at this point, would have a better idea of just how uh, you know how receptive the schools are to this idea. Uh, that was the impression that I got from from talking to to folks at the NPA a few months ago. Um, so yeah, they they need to to move pretty quickly on that and really really you know uh, define uh, how how it's going to break down. Uh, you know whether they're going to need separate divisions. You know because they have enough schools above that 350 threshold that are interested uh you know i I, i'm kind of surprised that they're not a little bit further along in that process um but you know i i think you know someone mentioned i think it was jim leonard from mci in travis's story that there will be you know somewhat of a domino effect i think you're going to need some of those uh some of the more established or at least uh Bigger programs to step forward and say, "Okay, we're we're interested in in a man football," and then I think you'll see some some other schools uh, fall in line. It's just a question of who's who's going to take that that first step because they're no matter who it is, I think there is they are going to take at least a little bit of blowback uh, from their communities, uh, you know about you know, deciding to move to A-man football just because there are people out there who don't know about it and don't see it as real traditional football. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting next few months for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I know the, the blowback Dirigo got in their community for dropping out of Class E this year, but oh, then, wow. you know, they were quick to jump around that team when, once they got to the, really, the, the, the Class E <laughs> final against Freeport, right? So, you know what? Yeah. It's all fun and games. It, it, it's all uh, disappointed until you win something, and then it's like, oh hey, I think we can get behind this. I think that's what it's yeah. going to take for most of these communities. I mean, if they're if they're still getting beat up in eight man football, okay, I, I I can and I could see maybe those are the programs that end up co oping or whatever, right? We still haven't yeah. even talked about that yet. There's going to be programs out there that co op, like oh, yeah. you know, Greeley has looked at co oping, right? I mean, yeah. and they won a freaking right. playoff game last year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Deirdre and, and Telstar talked about co oping last year. Uh, you know, they so, may have yeah, to this year. Yeah, and they they may still have to. Uh, so you know, that's yeah, that's the other element to this is, is the co-op aspect to it. And uh, you know, some people got to are gonna have to make some decisions here pretty quick because it's gonna affect you know coaching staffs. It's gonna affect middle school programs, youth programs. Uh, you know, so so people need to to get get to work on this pretty pretty darn quick here. It's the B-List Daily Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR radio network. Hanging out with Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal. Sunjournal.com. Raw Material 33 on the Twitter, of course. Basketball preview season. It is basketball. Pre- How are you doing on those, by the way? Uh, I'm doing all right. I mean, I, I, I've talked to just about everybody I need to talk to. Uh, the coaches have been good about getting back to me, um, so I appreciate that. Um it's 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 a grind season for all of us at the Sun Journal because we don't just have basketball previews. We have 
other sports going on. I'm doing wrestling previews in addition to that, and the season opens up uh, next Friday, so uh, officially. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, if you're wondering why you're not seeing uh, very many uh, other stories in the paper, it's because we have very, very limited number of people working on calling 20, 25 coaches in, in each sport in our area, uh, and that takes up a, a lot of time, but I think it'll be worth it. Uh, I think you'll have some some good information if you're going into your into your season, regardless of your sport. You want to sport uh, if you want to find out a, a lot about the local teams and local athletes and how they'll they'll fare. Uh, just uh, keep an eye on the Sun Journal next week, uh, and uh, on Friday we'll have our our big uh, boys and girls basketball preview special section uh, coming out next week. So uh, hopefully, hopefully your last guest, Justin Peltier will volunteer and he, come up and help us uh, put that together. I did. That's the reason the line was busy because Justin, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but Justin occasionally enjoys talking. I'm no, not sure no. if you're aware of this, but, um, I just want to make sure that if you were, <laughs> I, I, you know, he's, he's, he was pretty good with me in the office when I was, you know, when he, cause I sat right across from him. Uh, if he knew I was working, he generally tended to leave me alone. But it, if I, if it looked like I had an idle minute, then yeah, I, I would hear from Justin. Whether it was about what, what we were, we were working on or he was working on or, you know, even just to kind of, uh, give me a few jabs about the Celtics or the, or the Patriots or, or the Bruins even, even though I'm, I'm a, a lukewarm hockey fan. So, uh, yeah, I, that's, uh, the, the, the sports section is a little bit, well, the entire newsroom is a little bit quieter without, without Justin around these days. Yeah, it seems like it is. He did say he was going to come and help you with your basketball tab layout. But I hope he does. Uh, that would be, that would be <laughs> greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Come he, on in. He did. Even if it's just to put a few photos on the pages, yeah, we'll take it. He absolutely said he would do that. So that is, uh, that is excellent stuff. So. What, um, what are you seen from the the Celtics since we last talked? Are you encouraged at I all? I feel or? I feel confident yeah. that they're going to get this thing turned around. I think this Marcus Smart starting thing is big. I think yeah. I, I I like the Marcuses in the starting lineup. I think it provides a uh, I think it provides a level of toughness that this team actually needs. I think if you look at Toronto, I don't think Toronto is any more talented. I just think they play tougher with Kawhi Leonard out there. That's why I was kind of an advocate for trading for Kawhi. You know what I mean? Like, if you had traded Jalen Brown for Kawhi, like, you think the Celtics would be doing okay right now? I feel like they would be, you know? Yeah. So, it, 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 and people are, I don't know if you can break that up. Well, you know, I don't know. But I, I, I can tell you that um, Toronto's kind of changed the way they do things, and I, I think they're tougher. Now, once the playoffs roll around, well, I don't know if it's going to change or matter or make any difference, right? Because it's, you know... It's the Raptors, and 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 they're still Toronto, and they've been doing this since the Vince Carter era. So it's not like it's it's some, you know, long storied history of success there. But at the same time, I, I I feel confident that Brad can get this thing turned around. I think this is different for Stevens because this is the first time he's ever coached a team that actually has expectations, as opposed to a team that has a chip on its shoulder and is basically just a bunch of of mismatched Santa's island uh, Santa's. Uh, uh, island of misfit toys uh, put together. You know what I mean? Like having yeah. to start Evan Turner at the point and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's he's you know always had to to juggle a, a fair uh, amount of, of players. They've you know last couple of years maybe they haven't had the talent, but they've they've always had the the depth and 
and Stevens has always liked to go deep into his bench and tinker with lineups and stuff. But he's never had the the uh, you know egos that that he's had in the past to deal with uh, by doing that this season either. So uh, you know, I I agree with you. I like the the move of Smart into the starting lineup. Uh, you know, who knows? You know, Jalen Brown when he comes back, how he'll react. I'll be really watching that really closely. Um, you know, but I, I think they have started to, to turn a corner a little bit. You know, I've said before, I'm, I'm not that concerned until after Christmas, but I have to admit, I mean, when they lost to the Knicks, I was, I was pretty, uh, feeling pretty pessimistic <laughs> after that loss, but just, you know, reminding myself that there's still a long, 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 long ways to go with the season. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's still plenty of time for them to, to get that chip right in. And I think the Eastern Conference is going to be just so competitive that, you know, uh, there's got to be teams rising and, and falling in sort of the power rankings of the Eastern Conference all season. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, not, uh, let's not set our expectations just yet. Let's, uh, let's give the, the, the Celtics a little more time and let's give the Eastern Conference a little more time to shake out. Talking Randy Whitehouse from Sun Journal and SunJournal.com. What do you, uh, so uh, what is, is your favorite Patriots Vikings memory um, uh, uh, the 1994 game? Because I, I saw a big post on that yesterday, and I got to tell you, putting Fox 51 on the Rabbit Ears uh, to watch oh, that game man. brought back some major memories of Kevin, Kevin Turner hauling that thing in towards the back of the end zone. Yeah, I, oh yeah, I remember that game. That was, um, uh... Shortly after my son was born. Oh no, kidding! So yeah, so uh, you know, I I do remember that game very well. I do remember watching it live. I remember Jerry Glanville doing the game, and just you know, Jerry Glanville as a color analyst was an adventure in and of itself. Uh, you know, he was kind of the anti-Jason Witten. <laughs> yeah, he was all personality and, and no insight, but. Uh, yeah, I, you know, that was, that was kind of the, you know, people point to that as, as kind of the turning point of, of that season and really of the Parcells era, I think. Um, and, you know, it's a game, obviously, that, that uh, Drew Bledsoe, I don't know if you saw his, uh, his Twitter post, uh, kind of razzing Warren Moon and also kind of making fun of himself because uh, Warren Moon's in the Hall of Fame and he's not, but kind of razzing Warren Moon for that game. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned Kevin Turner, and I mean he was one of my favorite players on that team back then. He was, you know, a guy who who would do pretty much anything as a fullback. And even back then, fullbacks still weren't uh, a very big part of, of uh, NFL offenses, even though they were still, you know, more around than there are now. They 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 were being phased out as as ball carriers with that kind of a clutch receiver, kind of a go-to receiver after Ben Coates. Uh, for Bledsoe that year. So uh, I'm glad people still remember that game just because those teams were a lot of fun back then. And, you know, they kind of get lost and and overshadowed in the, you know, with the the historic run that we've had with with Brady and Belichick. Uh, Those Parcells years uh, still deserve to be uh, acknowledged and and honored, I think, and I'm glad that people uh, with the anniversary of that game kind of are able to do that. I'd like to see guys like Leroy Thompson, Ray Crittenden. You know, those guys, 
you know, those guys were really the first ever, you know, Ken Brell Tompkins. You know what I mean? Like those were those those were the that's who they were. They were those era guys, right? Like people don't understand the stuff that we went through. Like Tim Goad was like the best defensive t- nose tackle. You know, I think almost as peak that season because that's when they started to to realize the the potential of Bledsoe. Yep, and uh, so you know, I mean, it it was that was a, a really fun season that year, and then that Vikings game was was kind of the the highlight in the in the turnaround turning point uh, of that season. Uh, so you know, other than the uniforms, which are hideous, uh, it's good to look back at those times. It's certainly well, you know, those. I still have my Vincent Brown jersey from back then, though. It's still. I guess, oh, yeah. I can still fit into it. It's it's really a decent shape. I don't wear it often because I don't want to run it through the washer 1,400 times, you know. So. My, my question is if uh, Vincent Brown could still fit into his jersey. I'm going to go ahead and guess no on that. <laughs> I'm going to, I mean, there was, there was a stretch where I could not fit into that jersey either, but I've... <laughs> I've returned back to that level, so and and trying to hang on to it. So that's a uh, that's that's all well and good at the, at the same time. Uh, he's he's one of those you know he's he was a fantastic player for them. He's another one of those forgotten Patriots from that era. He was he was a terrific linebacker and just kind of a he was kind of the identity of their defense back then. Really, he was he was you know I don't know if he was the leader per se, but he was the guy that people pointed to and said, "Look out for that guy. He'll mess you up." Yeah, Dan Marino uh, had always mentioned about how the the sort of fear that Vincent Brown could instill. I got to find those quotes somewhere. Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal. Follow him on Twitter, Raw Material Thirty Three. You can find him at sunjournal.com. Randy, thank you so much for some time with me today, so we could break down all that stuff with Eight Man Football and everything thanks. else. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Thank you. That's Randy Whitehouse from the Sun Journal, sunjournal.com. That'll do it for us on the B List. Thanks to everybody who joined us today. We'll see you on Monday. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. Well, now there's a new team to add to the list. The orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners. An all-star team of orthopedic care right here in your backyard. Four of the area's top orthopedic practices, OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, Falmouth Orthopedic Center, and Maine Ortho have joined forces to become a dream team of orthopedic care where physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff share resources and work as one to make patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about the orthopedic team at Spectrum Healthcare Partners and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com ortho. That's spectrumhcp.com ortho. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round.